Chapter 86 of White Jacket or The World in a Man of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. White Jacket or The World in a Man of War by Herman Melville. Chapter 86 The Rebels Brought to the Mast though many heads of hair were shorn and many fine beards reaped that day yet several still held out and vowed to defend their sacred hair to the last gasp of their breath these were chiefly old sailors some of them petty officers who presuming upon their age or rank doubtless thought that after so many had complied with the captain's commands they being but a handful would be exempted from compliance and remain a monument of our master's clemency. That same evening, when the drum beat to quarters, the sailors went sullenly to their guns, and the old tars who still sported their beards stood up, grim, defying, and motionless, as the rows of sculptured Assyrian kings, who, with their magnificent beards, have recently been exhumed by Layard. When the proper time arrived, their names were taken down by the officers of divisions, and they were afterwards summoned in a body to the mast, where the captain stood ready to receive them. The whole ship's company crowded to the spot, and amid the breathless multitude, the venerable rebels advanced and unhatted. It was an imposing display. They were old and venerable mariners. Their cheeks had been burned brown in all latitudes, wherever the sun sends a tropical ray. Reverend old tars, one and all, some of them might have been grandsires, with grandchildren in every port round the world. They ought to have commanded the veneration of the most frivolous or magisterial beholder. Even Captain Claret they ought to have humiliated into deference. But a Scythian is touched with no reverential promptings, and as the Roman student well knows, the august senators themselves, seated in the senate-house on the majestic hill of the capital, had their holy beards tweaked by the insolent chief of the Goths. Such an array of beards, spade-shaped, hammer-shaped, dagger-shaped, triangular, square, peaked, round, hemispherical, and forked, but chief among them all was old Ushens, the ancient captain of the forecastle. Of a Gothic venerableness, it fell upon his breast like a continual iron-gray storm. Ah, old Ushent, Nestor of the crew, it promoted my longevity to behold you. He was a man-of-war's man of the old Benbow school. He wore a short queue, which the wags of the mizzen-top called his plug of pigtail. About his waist was a broad border's belt, which he wore, he said, to brace his mainmast, meaning his backbone, for at times he complained of rheumatic twinges in the spine, consequent upon sleeping on deck, now and then, during the night watches of upward of half a century. His sheath-knife was an antique, a sort of old-fashioned pruning hook. Its handle, a sperm-whale's tooth, was carved all over with ships, cannon, and anchors. It was attached to his neck 
by a lanyard elaborately worked into rose knots and turks heads by his own venerable fingers of all the crew this ushant was most beloved by my glorious captain jack chase who one day pointed him out to me as the old man was slowly coming down the rigging from the foretop. There, White Jacket, isn't that old Chaucer's shipman? A dagger hanging by a lass had he, about his neck, under his arm adown. The hot summer had made his beard all brown. Hardy he is, and wise, I undertake with many a tempest has his beard be shake. From the Canterbury Tales, White Jacket. And must not old Ushant have been living in Chaucer's time, that Chaucer could draw his portrait so well? End of chapter 86 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista